This morning I want to share the word of the Lord with you, and then I want to share some personal matters from my heart. And I pray that you will receive all that God has for us today. I understand the moment in which we're in. I understand the times in which we're living. And I understand that it's a very challenging time for so many of us. And I also am not exempt from the challenges of the moment. This morning when I was standing at the front and counting one of our members, he began to share with me some of the challenges that he was having. His eyes began to well up with tears, and I understood that many are carrying a lot of burdens in this moment. And I believe, unlike any other time in the history of the church, this is the time for us to pray one for the other. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that if there's one thing that God is expecting of us, whether we're watching online, we're experiencing virtual uh, services, or we're gathered in person, I think that God is asking us to uphold each other in our prayers and to always speak well of each other. What I want to do this morning, and I even forgot to mention that we lost another member or family member, Sister Ukiwa's father passed just yesterday. So we want to remember the Yasui family in our prayers as well. What I want to do this morning is I want to share just three points with you that speak about the things that I was supposed to do. And it might be a little bit of a confessional. I hope that you'll understand from time to time I tend to confess when I've fallen short, even of the instructions that I believe that God has given to me. And I want to talk about what I was supposed to do when God called me. And I might talk about some things that I did not do, that I should have done, things that I may have let slide that I should not have let slide. Because it isn't easy living out a vision. It's just been my experience. Some will say, no, when God gives a vision, it becomes very easy. Just run with God. But I've discovered that when God gives a vision, all hell moves against that vision. That's just been my discovery in my personal life. And I've discovered that any vision that God gives, it comes with a certain amount of pressure and its accompanying challenges. And there are three things that I believe that God had asked me to do, whether I fully understood them or not. I think I do have a clearer picture of what they are now. And I don't think I did such a very good job. You may differ. I'm a lot harder on myself. But in Isaiah chapter two and verse number two, the Bible teaches us that it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of God's house shall be exalted above the mountains and be raised above the little hills and a result shall be all nations shall flow up to the mountain of God's house. And I'm going to refer to that from time to time in the remaining moments so that you'll understand what I believe God had summoned me to do. The first thing that I believe that God had asked me to do, though I didn't fully understand it, it was to eliminate the denominational barriers that hinder the body of Christ. This is perhaps one of the greatest hindrances to the commanded blessing of God. The fact that we have segmented ourselves into pockets and groups based on finite understandings of the scriptures. We've developed camps and groups and loyalties, and those groups have been entrenched for decades. 
But the Bible teaches something rather different. The Bible teaches, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell not in denominations, but in unity. It is like a specific order in which God moves. It is like the oil that is upon the head of the high priest that flows all the way down to his skirts and it hits the ground and anything that touches the ground. For it is there that God commanded the blessing. And I find it interesting that the church is always asking God to bless us, but the Bible instructs us where we find the commanded blessing. And so one of the first things that God would instruct me to do is eliminate the denominational barriers. And I think we've done a reasonably good job in that you may be surprised to find that there are many different faith traditions that call this ministry home. People that would never have worshipped together otherwise have found a resting place, a respite here. And we still have a far way to go. Because part of unity is also being able to say what you believe and it not separate us. So we can be together, but yet not really be together. But at least we're heading in that direction because now what we may have is we may have Pentecostals sitting beside Catholics and Baptists sitting beside Orthodox people and still worshiping God. Because there is only one body and it is by one spirit have we been baptized into one body. Fragmentation is not of God and division is also not of God. And so that was the first thing for us to move towards a unification of the body. Having one mind, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, there really is only one mind that governs the local church and the global body. Now there are many minds, but what God intends for us to do is to merge our thinking into the thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we're on our way there, and I want you to remember this. The goal of God is not to segment us into camps, because eternity is not a place of camps. It is a place of transparency. The second thing that we were supposed to do, I don't think I did a very good job of this, it was to explain the kingdom of God. Now this is very, very important because what has happened over the years is we have become so focused on church and having what we call church that we've missed the subject of our salvation. The object of our salvation is a person that is Jesus Christ. He is our focus. He is the object of our salvation. The subject of our salvation is the kingdom of God. That is a role and a function where we are called to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all the accoutrements of life shall be added unto us. We are not called to have church. The idea of having church is actually playing with yourself because we are the church. We're not called to talk about church because if you talk about church, you're actually talking about yourself. And that is the essence of narcissism. But the subject should be the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to do my best in the coming weeks to explain the kingdom of God, which by definition 
It is having dominion over every earthly discipline. And I will explain that so that we won't have church ad infinitum and accomplish very little. My perplexity came when the pandemic began to rage. I realized that we're not as relevant as we convinced ourselves that we were. I'm speaking to myself, not you. I'm certainly pointing the mirror this way. Because I realized that in the midst of a global plague, no one invited us to the table of solutions. The God of all healing, comfort and deliverance was not invited to the table. And then I realized perhaps it's because we had spent so much time having church and not explaining the kingdom of God. I'm going to do my best in the coming weeks to explain. I'm not going to focus on the theatrics of preaching, the entertaining of preaching. I'm going to explain the kingdom of God so that we can really move in the direction that God intended for us to move. And the third thing, which I think is rather simple, is if we understand the importance of unity, and if we've explained the kingdom of God and we are practicing the kingdom, we can expect the results. There are results promised to the body of Christ that would blow our mind. I'll give you an example of what I mean by a result. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2 and verse 14, the prophet tells us that there is a day when the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters cover the seas. That's a result from practicing an understanding of the kingdom of God. I gave you another result, Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. The mountain of God's house being raised above all the mountains. I will explain that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 teaches us that the will of God can be done in earth as it is done in heaven. Those are results that we can expect. I don't even want to get into the lower results of blessings and material things because those things are added unto us if we understand the kingdom of God. And the last thing that I would say is found in Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. There is an angel with a trumpet waiting to sound. There are a few more trumpets that need to be blown. But when he blows the trumpet, the kingdoms of this world, they shall become the kingdom of our God and His Christ. We're going to spend some time as a body because we don't want to go around in circles. I certainly, having gone through so much, and I'll share the personal now, I have no time to move in circles. I have no time to walk around pretending in a pretentious way. I was sitting one day having brunch with a gentleman that had previously attended the ministry. And as we were eating, he looked at me in the face and he said, we're nowhere close to being the image of God. And I was about to be offended. You know you're ready to say, but you don't even go to church anymore. And when I stepped back and realized what he was saying, I had to accept the fact that there was truth in his words. That at times, all of us, myself included, were reading about something that is so far from an experience that at times we've got to pretend that it's something true to us. I want to show us a path that I believe will take us there. Having said that, I want to read something that I wrote because I've gone through some very 
challenging moments during the pandemic. And I know that you've seen me online teaching and preaching and smiling. That's all for the camera. Sometimes what's in your heart, you have to mask it under a smile. But I've been at my lowest during the pandemic. And I'll be very transparent with you. I have nothing to hide. I have no axes to grind. I'm 53 years old now. And I think when you reach that side of the calendar, you start, I'm sorry, 50s, you start that downward slide. You move into your twilight years. I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm getting younger. No. We actually start to age in a very, very interesting way. And during this pandemic, I was at my lowest. I think I even shared with you that even as a leader, as a pastor, there were days in my life when I thought that there's no point in trying to live. I remember I prayed a prayer to God and I said, I think I'm finished and I'd like to come home now. It was a very difficult day that day. Because I truly wanted to just depart to glory. And the Lord sent some strategic people into my life. He didn't send the people that I thought he would have sent, which is interesting when you're going through things. He sends unexpected people. And I began to get some text messages, people just praying every Sunday. I don't think they knew what was going on. But religiously, every Sunday, they would send a message, let me know that they've got me in prayer. And each day was, and I'll be very honest with you, because sometimes as a preacher, we preach the ideal, but we also have to tell people about the provisional. Ideal is that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Ideal is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The ideal is that I'm the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. But sometimes the provisional is, I don't even feel like living. Sometimes the provisional is, where is God in the midst of all my struggles? And I tried not to be upset with God because that's not one of my practices. Because I don't believe that God is unjust in anything that he does. I just needed to understand the process and be able to look at myself for what it was. And the Lord did something which was powerful. He allowed a little glimmer of light to break open in my life. And he put back in my heart a desire to go forward and to finish the work. I sat at my computer and I wrote some things for you that I want to share. I have about five minutes and I'm going to do that. And then we're going to go in the name of the Lord. I'm going to read for you if you don't mind because there were some things that I wanted to say. I didn't want to just hopefully remember them. I wanted to make sure that everything was said. I think Anderson Cooper would say when speaking to his mother, I wanted to make sure that nothing was left unsaid. So I want to take a moment to share some very personal matters with you. Many of you would have noticed that Lady Meikle is not with us today. And the reason for her absence is simple. Sadly, we are not together as a couple. And sadly, there have been many stories that have been floated around, some intentionally, with the goal of trying to diminish 
or to discredit some even trying to destroy me I personally have neither the emotional bandwidth nor the energy to dignify these words I have become accustomed to this discord in practice within the body having had stories being told about me from the day that I stepped out of the boat unto the waters of this vision so this is completely nothing new to me what is disheartening to me though is the source of these stories as they're being circulated by professing Christians the irony of which even if they were true in which they are not the Bible teaches a practice completely counter to the one being used Galatians 6 and 1 states brethren if a man any man or woman be overtaken in a fault ye which are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted what I will speak of today are my shortcomings in my marriage and nothing more the truth is Lady Meikle has decided that she does not want to continue with our marriage and here is the reason I have not been an ideal husband and at times I've not been a biblical example not always been patient I've not always been caring sometimes I've acted out of ancient wounds and there have been many other times I've acted out of resentments now I want you to know that I will never ever speak an ill word of Lady Meikle as a wife the mother of our children and as a child of God I have been the one who who has failed failing to communicate effectively and to communicate often as I said before at times uncaring at times demanding while measuring our home by the vision of this ministry and not based on a relationship of two equals and so today I take full and complete responsibility for this breach in my marriage throughout the pandemic as I said before it was a very difficult moment but I humbled myself and I decided to seek out professional therapeutic help noting that if I was preaching and teaching while my marriage was falling apart perhaps it was time for me to assess myself I've undergone the necessary therapy and I made it very rigid I've made amends directly to many who I may have hurt along this journey including my wife apologizing to them asking for their forgiveness and today this morning I would like to apologize to the Rama family apologize for letting you down in this area to those who I may have unintentionally hurt I sincerely apologize to you especially those of you who have looked to me as an example as a leader as a role model indeed I have failed you now there are those who would use this moment to salivate over my marital breakdown while others seeing an opportunity have used the brush of slander and they've used a sullied canvas to paint me as someone that I'm not as I stated earlier I will not now or ever dignify their words however there is one narrative 
that I cannot and I will not allow to slide, and that is of a spousal abuser. I would like to be clear that I have never ever raised my hand in abuse to my spouse or any woman for that matter, and any suggestion to that effect is rampantly false. And for those who continue to spread such falsehoods, whether directly or indirectly, or through innuendos, I believe that God will be their judge. Though I am a deeply flawed vessel, and I am, I'm uniquely oramiko, and I will continue to do what God has instructed me to do: to produce the level of excellence in people and in products that give God the glory that He deserves. I will not, and I will never divulge the happenings of our matrimonial home, as I believe that this is an inappropriate thing to do. It is not respectful to the other party within the covenant, and it also places the hearers in a bad position of having to judge a matter with only one perspective, which seldomly leads to truth. This only creates divided camps and divided loyalties, and I'm not in search of a camp. Nor am I in search of loyalties. I simply want to be just and right before God. The human dimension of truth will work itself out in time, as truth and justice will always prevail over lies and injustices. It is only a matter of time. It has been stated that the moral arc of the universe bends slowly, but it always bends toward justice. As many of you know, I can be intensely private, and I would ask for a season of privacy to navigate this new reality and and to move forward. There is one thing that I cannot control, and that is the chatter of some. However, I would hope that our ministry would not engage in such practices. Finally, most of you know how seriously I take the work of ministry. And the assignment that God has entrusted. Despite all the hardships, I remain deeply committed and convinced of the validity of the Rama vision. I am truly sorry for not being that complete example that you deserve and that you expect of me. However, I choose to turn a new chapter in my life to complete the entrusted assignment to the best of my ability. In the face of these challenges, I still believe that God's best years are ahead of us, and I, for one, would like to see what God has in store for us in days to come. I'm more committed than ever to engaging the work of the kingdom in the highest forms of excellence, to continue building something that has never been built in our country. To continue leading a people unlike no other at any other time in history, and by God's grace, leaving an imprint that endures to the third and fourth generation. I can only humbly invite you to join me on this journey. Now, the experiences of the past year have humbled me greatly. So, what you may find is that the Oromikal of now is not the same as the previously unpolished. Or jagged-edged Oromiko. I am a little older now, somewhat wiser. I am far more understanding and far more empathetic. 
And I intend to use these principles as my North Star when leading God's people by His grace. To you and your families, know that I love you more than ever. And to you I say shalom and agape. Peace with love.